Welcome to This Is My Story, where everyday women share their stories of struggles and setbacks that have shaped their lives. I'm your host, Melissa Touch. In today's episode, Shara Manning, a mom and occupational therapist, shares her journey from anger and bitterness to peace and contentment. From a challenging upbringing in a Christian home with an alcoholic father to finding coping mechanisms and achievement, pride, and codependency, Shara's journey is one of trials and triumphs. After her father's death five years ago, Shara began working through the years of anger, unforgiveness, and bitterness from her childhood. Through Celebrate Recovery and Counseling, she found peace and contentment, and today she shares her journey of transformation with us. Before we jump into today's episode, don't forget to follow us on our social media and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find all our social media links as well as more information about us at thisismystorypodcast.com. My name is Shara, and this is my story. Tell me about your childhood growing up. You grew up in an environment that you had an alcoholic father. You had a verbally abusive mother. What was it like growing up in that environment? What was your childhood like? Yeah, well, I mean, from the outside, it looked like the perfect childhood, right? Um, We went to a little small Baptist church there every time the doors were open in Lakeshore, Monroe area. And um, just very involved in the church. My dad was in the choir. My mom, you know, taught little GA, Sunday school, all the things. Um, So, I mean, just look, I mean, we just kind of had like the little perfect childhood, but they struggled financially early on. Um, I mean, so I didn't really, you know, know that as a child. I knew it, but it didn't affect me a lot. Um, And, um, you know, I think I would say like zero to 10 was pretty good, you know, and we moved uh, when I was four, fourth grade. So that was around 10 years old. And it was like the other side of town. So that kind of affected my life as far as, you know, just not as access to the church. We actually live right down the street from the church. So, you know, it was just different. Um, it was like out in the country and it's just a little different life. And my mom really didn't want to. And so I think she always had some um, bitterness with that. but. Um, just, um, you know, just, I guess, just starting on, you know, to my preteen years and uh, they were starting on to that. They got, you know, better jobs and um, things like that. And um, yeah, it's like, I remember, um, you know, preteen life, um, you know, just a lot more tension in the home. Um, I always adored my dad. He was just, he was very, we were very close um, just throughout childhood. Um, but, you know, we were getting you know, involved in other things as kids. And, um, you know, my mom just seemed like she was on edge all the time and just like stressful. And um, I just remember that part and um, just kind of worried about money as well. And, and, you know, meanwhile, um, at church, you know, I'm trying to, you know, be involved and I got saved at eight years old and then like reaffirmed it at like 11 or 12, you know, got baptized again. So we were just very involved with that. But um, very um, soon into my teen years, it I don't know. I was a very independent person and just from very early on. I remember my dad telling me, you know, just you're so independent. You're so, you know, strong person. And and um, so that's just who I was. you know. Um, so but that was significant, you know, to my adult life. You know, I, that's just kind of who I was and how God made me. And it kind of set me apart from my siblings. I'm the middle of three. Brother was 18 months older and my sister was like three years younger. Um, so 
and he was always kind of a nerdy kid in school. So he, I just seemed like everybody thought I was the oldest. Um, so I was kind of that stronger personality and um, just kind of did what I needed to do. You know, my mom seemed like she was just not as independent and strong. Um, she, I just always saw her striving in life. Um, they got in a lot of credit card debt and, um, you know, my dad was working, but just seemed very passive. And she, you know, just increasingly, um, you could see her just, you know, very, very uneasy, you know, and just trying to like keep the family together kind of thing. And so I'm seeing it from my view and just, I just see that she's crazy. Like she's just like doing crazy things and, you know, just, um, you know, just not, I mean, she wouldn't like curse or anything like that, but she was just, you know, angry a lot. And, um, um, and he would just come in from work and just, you know, kind of be there. And, um, you know, he was actually working. He was a mailman. So he'd work on Saturdays as well. And we would, you know, he's not as there much, but like when he is there, like he's just so much fun and just kind of laid back. And I just loved him for that because like she was the opposite. So my brother struggled in school. So there was a lot of tension there. She was trying to, my, I mean, just trying to get him to do all these things. And, and my sister was kind of, I don't know, kind of called her a little bratty, you know, kind of thing. So I was like, my um, intentions were to stay out of it. And I, they tell me I would go to my room and like slam the door a lot, you know, and just like, I was done with everything. I was just like, I, my goal in life is to get out of the house and get out of this family. So I just, I saw better for myself. Um, so that, that instilled in me the lie that I was better and I don't know, like kind of that pride um, that I've, I've noticed later on. Um, so it was like, I, I need to do better than this. And um, my family is the most dysfunctional family ever, I <laughs> thought. Um, <laughs> and then I get out in the real world and realized it wasn't. But um, yeah, so in my mid-teens, um, there was a series of deaths in my family. So my mom, my dad's mom died. My dad's, my mom's dad died. Like my aunt died. I mean, I think like in like a close family friend, I think there was like four or five deaths really in a row. And I remember that happening, but, you know, not feeling the effects of it. Right. Because I'm a teenager and I, they were, I was close to them, but not a lot, you know, especially close to my my dad's mom, which spurred on my career choice. Actually, she had a stroke and when I was 16 and um, she died around that time, actually. And um, I saw how she had rehab and everything um, after her stroke. And I was like, I'm going to do that. I just saw that that was so special that she could regain the skills that she lost after a stroke. So, so anyway, like I was just so independent. I was just like, I was there at my family, but not there, you know, like as far as emotionally engaged and all that, I was just like, I'm going to do my own thing. I got a job at 15 years old at Subway and, you know, just do my own thing driving, working, going to school, had my own life, um, kind of separate from my family and just so determined. My, both my parents did not graduate college. So I was like determined, like I will graduate college. I just had so many goals and like, just, I'm going to do these things because I see them striving in life and I'm not going to do that. I was so passionate about that. So yeah, meanwhile, all from all those deaths, I believe looking back that my dad, that's kind of what spurred all my dad's alcoholism. He kind of probably always, you know, drank or whatever just for fun, but um, it got really bad after some of those deaths and um, just my mid-teens time. And so, you know, he would drink a lot, come home drunk. Um, and I had no idea of this. Like he hit it very well. And I 
adored my dad, like meanwhile. And all we saw was my mom like being crazy and like, but really looking back, she was trying to keep it all together. And like me now being a mom, I'm like, wow, she was just, I mean, I feel sorry for her, you know, as far as um, having yeah. A, yeah, a husband like that. So, but we saw like, she was just crazy and she was trying to like, I mean, just always on edge and, and angry and all of that. So, so I just didn't want to have anything to do with her. And I would run to my dad for emotional help. And um, so, you know, that probably hurt her as far as, um, you know, just, he's off doing all this. Yeah. So she was keeping it from you guys also. Like yeah, she wasn't, yeah, she wouldn't allow letting him to on. drink in the house. So we had no idea really. Um, he just seemed like a really fun guy and he wasn't, you know, any abusive with it at all. Um, so yeah, so it, we just saw it from her. Um, but we also saw our, our family falling apart really. I mean, and so meanwhile, we're at the church and, um, you know, I'm trying to look all good. And then, our family was falling apart. She left him a couple of times. And um, I believe in my late teens, she, they kept, they stayed married for the kids and for us um, to, to just keep it all together. And But it was falling apart. So when did you realize your dad had a problem with alcohol? Probably late teens, like, um, you know, 17, 18 years old. Um, I actually graduated high school when I was 17, just because I started school early in kindergarten. Um, and um didn't turn 18 until my first semester in college. So, but I was still living at home at the time. Um, so that was when it was really bad. And um, as far as just the tension and craziness at home and still living at home, um, like I said, I, like my number one goal is to get out of the house. And I, you know, when that house across town, like it was our, you know, my house I grew up in, um, you know, my child years um, became available. We were renting it out. Um, you know, you know that story. You were there during that time. Yeah. Um, we cleaned it up and we moved across town. And, um, you know, so that was like freedom for me. Um, and meanwhile, it was still crazy at home with my, my brother and sister. My sister was still in high school, you know, so, but I was like, I'm, I'm done with that. So, so it kind of just like, took it out of my life. Yeah. Well, when we moved in together into that house, I, you know, I'd met your parents. They would come around every so often, but I never realized, you know, I didn't, I didn't pick up on any of that and you didn't really really talk about it or (laughs) you might've talked about it with other people, but we were still relatively new friends. So I didn't, I didn't know the backstory. So when you were like years later, when you say, when all this, you say all this, I was like, wow, I had no idea. And it kind of makes you feel bad that you're not having those really deep, intimate conversations with people that are supposed to be your good friends, your roommates, you know, like, you know, we were just in college doing our own thing, trying to, you know, graduate, dating, (laughs) all that. And uh, it was just, I feel bad. It was so superficial in some ways. Oh, no. I mean, I probably did not want to talk about it. Um, and didn't know how, probably. Um, yeah, didn't know how, didn't want to, like, you know, I probably would have been happier being further away from my family, you know, but um, just, I mean, I was lucky to go in into college in my hometown, but it was still really close to home where um, that was still happening. But yeah, he was just a fun guy. He would come over and, you know, just, I, I mean, he talked a lot. <laughs> so you just, that's just how he was. And like, just, that's just who he was, you know. Um, I think he ended up being my mailman later on, like after I got married and he was my mailman. <laughs> so I would see him around. 
So when you were, you know, through your teen years, I know oftentimes people who are going through situations like that with their family will internalize that guilt or feel like responsible for how their parents are acting. Did you ever feel that way? Or were you like, you know, did you have a, was it easy for you to be like, this is not my problem. This does yeah. not involve me. This this is not because of anything I've done. No, yeah. I never thought it was my fault, my guilt. Um I thought they were crazy. Like I, I I wanted to have nothing to do with my family. Like I was just like, I'm better than this. I'm, I have bigger plans than this and I'm having nothing to do with y'all. So that was my coping skill, I guess. Um, and yeah, I never felt any guilt of my, myself. I was like, when my mom would get mad at us, I, you know, I, I reflect on that now because I'm a mom and I have to get mad at my kids um, when she would get mad at us and probably spank us or whatever. I mean, I was, I wouldn't, I'm not a person that do, I don't have guilt and shame. I was like, okay, I did wrong. I'm going to get over it. And there was a lot of, oh, it was, I am so thankful for this. So much forgiveness in my family growing up. Like if something happened, we were good the next day. Like, there was forgiveness. And that was the understood just how we lived life. Like if my mom, you know, was crazy the day before, I didn't like hold it against her like for days after. No, like we were good. We can't, we forgive, we go on. So I'm so thankful for that. You mentioned your coping skills. Were there any other ways that you coped during that time unhealthily? Yeah. So I'm so thankful for my friends. I, I say that, um, I don't know. God just gave me Jamie and um, band and all of the things like that um, because she she was such a, you know, kind of just had a really good Christian life. And it was funny. I talked to her earlier this year and, you know, kind of a, it was actually I was making amends to her um, through my recovery thing. And um, she's like, I thought you were such a great Christian person and, and I, I held on to you because, you know, so it was like mutual, but I thought she was so great. Um, so in that, um, I ran to my friends. Um, my friends were my coping skill, but also I was so codependent on them and I ran to boyfriend. Um, so I had a, a pretty steady boyfriend through high school. Um, I would go to his house instead of him coming to mine. Um, my senior year was hell, if I can say that, um, as far as friends goes. Um, I was so codependent on them that I would try to do whatever they wanted, but they also were were trying to distance themselves from me because I was acting like crazy the way I, you know, just my behaviors. Um, so as far as like just all those codependent behaviors. So very weird. Like I, you know, of course I didn't realize it then, but I thought like nobody liked me. That was my, uh, my, my lie in my head. Um, what have I done to you that you're not gonna talk to me? You know, I, what, what, what did I do? What did I do? Like whatever I did, I will change myself so that you will like me. That was, yeah. Um, and it carried on until like college years. It, it doesn't sound like, you know, you said you, you loved your dad, you adored him. So were you ever ashamed of your family? Like, did you try to hide them from certain people or like just not want them to come around? I mean, I know you didn't talk about it. No, I just didn't talk about it. I think, you know, if they came around, we were just like, whatever. But um, yeah, I didn't I like, you know, try to not have them around people. I mean, I think it was very surface level what my, you know, interactions with them. Um, 
you know, just, I, don't, I remember just a few times going back to the house and, you know, just, it was just like, I'm here, you're there. I'm so above you. That's <laughs> what I was, my, um, and so I didn't try to hide them. I think like my dad was super fun. So I didn't care if he was around people. Um, and I really didn't think, oh, my dad's drunk. I don't want them around. I don't, I don't want him around people. I never thought that. I just thought he was super fun. Yeah, like, I, I don't know, maybe in denial or just unaware. I was very immature emotionally. And I know that because, you know, just growing up in the real world, um, going out, um, I, I didn't have the skills to know these things and, and to try to prevent them. You know, I was very immature emotionally um, and yeah, had a lot of learning to do. <laughs> As we all <laughs> at that time. Around that time that we met, you started dating your husband. Mm. I think you might have already been. I mean, y'all met like your freshman yeah, early year of college. On, like, uh, my yeah. first week in college, yeah, in band. So, yeah. yeah. In seeking a boyfriend or a husband, were you, were there certain things like, I'm not going to have this kind of marriage, you know, based on looking at my parents and their example? Were there certain things that you were looking for that you're like, we're, this is, it's not going to be this way. I'm going to, look for somebody completely different? Or did you, you know, you said you adored your dad. Were you looking for somebody who was like your dad? Yeah, I think I was looking for somebody like my dad as far as like who he was, um, you know, because he's not. And I think I knew that then and even now too, you know, as far as, you know, I know about more about like sins and addiction, like that's not who he was, you know, it's just like what he did, you know, as far as that, of course, I didn't want an addictive husband, but like, I, yeah, I wanted my dad was very in tune emotionally. And that's what, you know, I'll tell you later how I dealt with that, but very in tune emotionally. So I wanted that. And then, um, yeah, so my, <laughs> I, we dated for five years. So it's very intentional about my future husband. It's awesome that it was the same person as far as like, God gave me him in my freshman year and he stuck with me because he Probably shouldn't have stuck with me. I mean, so he stuck with me. We, we recapped this. Um, my parents divorced when we were dating um, through college. We went through some really bad times uh, with my brother. Um, he was living with my dad and my brother had some mental stuff go on. Um, we went to the same church. Um, so I think that really, we that was part of our story. Um, we went to the same church in college you know, when we were dating. So we just aligned with a lot of things. And, and so I was very intentional with, you know, just who he was and how we were going to do things. And I mean, I, I was like, we, I will make sure that all of this on the front end because I saw my parents struggle and I, I think they, you know, kind of rushed into marriage and, you know, they were love or whatever. And I was like, no, ma'am, I'm going to like, I'm going to make sure that, you know, I don't remember like the certain qualities, but I was just like, we will make sure of this and this and this and this. And I was very intentional about um, marriage and, you know, and not rushing into it and, and, and ma marrying after I graduated college, because that was not going to be a, a roadblock to my relationship or me as a person. You know, I'm like, no, I will graduate college because my parents dropped out because of marriage, I believe. I don't know. But like and having kids and all that. I'm like, no. <laughs> so I was yeah, a little too intentional. I probably. <laughs> You said you were codependent with your friends. Were you codependent with him? Oh, actually, I've I've really never been codependent with him. Um, to a fault, actually, probably. Um, 
later in my story, you'll hear that um, I, I was very critical. I have been very critical of him um, and very angry at him. And and he's just the opposite. Like he's going to do like he's going to kind of he's not codependent on me, but like he will do whatever I want and not say anything. And I'll be critical of him. So it's not, I'm not trying to change myself for him. It was my friends. Like I've only been codependent on my friends. So just weird how I um, compartmentalized that in my head, Um, you know, striving for my friends to accept me and not him. Um, Because I always knew he would be there, I guess. I don't know. Um, Yeah, I guess he became family. So, you know. You felt secure in the fact that he yeah. wasn't going to leave you, whereas friends can be more fickle. Yeah. And that was, I think, the very rotating thing was friends left me and friends um, weren't there for me and friends didn't feel that emotional need that I wanted or needed. And I, I realized that I um, put too much expectations on my friends um, and just thinking this is how a friendship should be. And I, I was thought I was the best friend ever. Um, and they should reciprocate that to me. And when they didn't, I was just, I don't, I was just messed up. (laughs) So what was the turning point for your mom and dad to seek help? Was that, you know, was that before, was that early on, like after they got divorced or was it years and years later? So yeah, they realized uh, pretty early on after I moved out and it was kind of getting crazy. Um, my mom said recently that she had to give him an ultimatum and say, is it the drinking or or your family? And my dad um, valued family a lot, but he, um, he chose drinking at that point. He said, I'm going to keep drinking. So it's like she had no choice. And um, if you remember, um, we were in the house about a year And um, my mom and sister, um, you know, moved into the house and y'all had to move out and everything. So, yeah. So then I was stuck living with my mom and sister again and in that craziness again that I was trying to um, escape. Yeah. So she sought help help at that time. Um, She went to Al-Anon and just really, I mean, we saw such a change in her. We, I mean, she worked the entire thing um, kind of. Just a lot of things, you know, she had a lot of emotional things too. Um, and so I, at the time I was like, I don't know what you did, but like you are a different person. So, I mean, it was really good because it was just a lot more peace when I was around her. Um, but my dad continued drinking and, and it was, it got really bad. I was in, um, part of my schooling was in Tulane uh, University. So I was in New Orleans at the time and then having to come back home sometimes. And um, so I was very detached. But um, during that time, my dad um, checked him in, himself into rehab and uh, it was in Shreveport. So so it, I was feeling emotions about it and looking back well, and I knew at the time I would blow up angrily at my roommates. Um, I was pretty stressed out um, internally. You know, I'm trying to keep it all together and just do school and be, have fun. But like, Meanwhile, all this is happening at home and my mom and dad would come to me or, you know, my siblings for emotional support and would tell us, you know, all this about your mom and this about your dad, you know? And so we were like, this shouldn't be happening, you know? So it's just, it was a lot of emotional time. Yeah. So it sounds like you went many years, what, something like probably 10, 15 years before you kind of recognized this, you know, I have an anger problem. I have this these problems that have stemmed from 
from all these feelings I had as, you know, as a teenager dealing with my parents. So what, before we talk about, you know, when you decided to go get help yourself, what, how were you, how are you as a wife? How are you as a young mom, you know, being critical, being anger issues? Like what, you know, what was that looking like at your own house? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we got married in 2004. My life began in 2004. I was, um, you know, started my career, my marriage, everything, like literally bam, bam, bam. And, um, and then had a kid about three years later, two, three years later. And, and so, yeah, I just felt like, okay, we, we actually moved away about six hours away in Arkansas. And I was like, great, I'm done with my family. I can get away from them. And so I actually don't have a lot of memories of my family during that time. And all I wanted to do was to better myself, to like, I threw myself into Bible studies at the church and, and the mentorships at my church. And I just, I, I felt like I, I didn't have that at all. Like I did, like I wanted it as far as like this emotional maturity, but I didn't have it. So, um, and I, I felt like these mentors were so much better than my mom. So I, you know, that's what I was, my mindset was, and I want to you know, learn from them and all that. So um, that's the mindset I had. I was so much better than my family. And so I, you know, distanced myself and, you know, just kind of started life. Um, it was good. There were really no problems, critical, all that. Um, I, I did feel the, the codependency. I didn't know that word at all until recovery time. Um, but I had that, uh, on my friends still, I, I searched for friends, um, cause you know, living away. Um, I, I didn't know how to, find friends. And it took a long time to find friends um, in my adult life. You know, I think a lot of people struggle from that, but they don't talk about it as far as women. I was very goal oriented, achieving all of that. So um, I started my OT career, but never was able to get where I wanted to. Like there was always something holding me back. Um, was, I was always like, not the leader OT, not the, you know, it's like I always wanted more, you know? And so 2010, when I was pregnant with my second girl, I found Mary Kay. Um, and um, they gave me all the recognition that I always desired and told me I was amazing, you know, and all the things, right? That they that kind of thing does. Um, so I just threw myself into that. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. And to the detriment of my family. So I didn't really... I don't know. A lot of moms are very much like, oh, everything revolves around my kids. And I was like, no, everything revolves around me. Uh, really, it's kind of, I didn't think that, but I acted that way. So I would go off and do all the things I need to do and, and achieve and do the things and, you know, have this and have that and everything. And meanwhile, have a family. And, you know, it's great because my dad, my husband was learning to be a, a husband and, and, you know, raise our kids. And, but, yeah, that was my mindset, like achieve, achieve and do and, you know, um, to the detriment of my family and not really caring about their needs, wants, emotional needs, all that. So my husband just let me do everything and, and kind of, you know, didn't say anything uh, all those years. And and so, I, you know, it's good, but like not to like detriment your family, right? Like, so you have to find that middle ground of that. So I was just like striving, striving, striving to do this. And meanwhile, I hated that word. Like my mom strived my whole entire life to be financially good or, you know, keep her family together. So 
I was striving in a different way though, like wanting better and wanting more and everything. And um, I did become a sales director, earn the car, all of that. Um, but meanwhile, like at that time, my husband was traveling to China right, right as that happened. And my kids were little. And so I was trying to find nannies all the time. And it was just kind of crazy time and trying to just keep it all together as far as like what we looked like on the outside and just not focusing on what, what really mattered, I think. Um, so I think my anger and everything didn't really come out until like later. Um, I, I'm thinking of like chronologically here, it's like 2014, um, 2015, um, 20, 2013 to 16 is when I was a director and kind of like Chad was traveling a lot. And it just, it really wore on our emotions and, you know, just life and, and I was striving to keep it all together in my business and, and really didn't do it the right way as far as like letting God lead it. I was trying to like, you know, just do everything. And um, I'm such a doer by nature. I'm just like, I can hold it together kind of thing. So it's crazy how like <laughs> I've learned in my life, you know, we, we say well, I'm never going to be like my parents, but we turn out to be our parents. right? <laughs> and like, just because this is what we know. And, but maybe in a different way. So I would say um, 2016, I, lost the directorship and I couldn't hold it all together anymore. So that was a very humbling time for me. A very, I'm like, okay. Um, and meanwhile, I'm doing my OT career in this. So how do you lose the directorship? Do you, is like you it just based on sales? You have to have a production each month. Yeah. So like after a certain amount of time, like a three month period, if you don't have the sales after three months, you, um, you know, can't be a director anymore. And, and actually, um, I lost the car too. Like as far as like they, um, you have a requalification oh, no. period, and I didn't requalify, so they came and like towed my car away. So, <laughs> so very- so how is that? Were you like at that point where you're like, this needs to happen, or was it just like mentally you were like, I'm a failure? No, I think it. I was to the point of like, this needs to happen. Um, it was because when it happened. Um, I came on a video on my Facebook thing with my group and I was like, I was in the like lesser jacket thing that, and I was like, I'm good. Like I'm done striving. I'm done trying to achieve and like act like this is who I am when I'm not. And, you know, cause meanwhile I was actually uh, into a, a Bible study called significant woman and just really searching for who I was in Christ. That's a big part of my story as far as like, I didn't know my true identity. So, you know, it's just searching for that and, and, and thinking, you know, achievement was, or, you know, this is who I was, but believe when you don't have your true identity in Christ, you search for other things and try to mask all of that or put on what you think it is. And it just doesn't work. <laughs> and, and, and I was exhausted. And so, yeah, 2016, um, a very humbling time, but I, I was accepting of it and knew, knew it needed to happen. And finally, my husband was like, oh, I, I'm so glad you're not doing this anymore. And you're, you know, this is what was doing to our family. And I was like, you didn't say anything. So, and he was probably scared of me for saying, he didn't want to say anything because he knew it would lead to other things. So yeah, it's a lot. I feel like we, our stories, you know, the achieving part kind of parallels a little bit with us. I, you know, even with starting this podcast, I'm always looking for something outside of just my di- my nine to five, my mm-hmm. my day job to do. That's just me. That's something that I control. It's something 
that is a reflection of what I want to do. And for many years, I did monogramming. I think you knew that I, I had a monogramming business, but it also can was you know practically detrimental too. Although at the time we needed it because Matt wasn't, my husband wasn't, he didn't have a f- permanent job. So he's he's a English professor, so he was adjuncting, which pays way less than like a full time permanent position. So we really needed that money to help supplement our income at the time. But I was like every night staying up super late monogramming, like every weekend, like I have to do this. I have to do this monogramming, you know, and it just became such a burden Mm -hmm. to where I felt like I was putting, you know, this thing that I didn't even really like anymore ahead of my family. Hopefully my podcast does not become that way. Uh, (laughs) This seems much more manageable, um, more like a hobby. Uh, It it doesn't require near the time that monogramming did. Um, And it's not, you know, it's not money-based. It's not, oh, I have to do this because I have, I sold something and I have to get it out the door. Yeah. Um, It's not sales-based. It's different. You can find that middle ground. Um, Oh, it's so good. Like, so, you know, when you go through all of that, you feel like, oh, this is, now I know, you know, where the sweet spot is, like, do what you were called to do, but it's from God and it's not from you and you're not striving to do it. It is just God flowing out of you to bless others. And it's not a burden and it doesn't become that because it's from God. Oh my gosh. I have so much. <laughs> I'm all about that. <laughs> um, Cause I learned a lot from that. And so, yeah, so that was like a very humbling time as far as um, you know, like. I- the year 2016. Um, and so meanwhile, my husband was actually, we were thinking about, um, we need, there was a position coming up that he, we could move to China and, um, Oh no, yeah, I did a, not know this. Yeah. <laughs> so we didn't talk about it cause we didn't, I mean, I talked, told, you know, close friends, um, or family. And so that was a big thing that year. I was, we were like, okay, this is a turning point. You know, we were actually thinking about moving houses, you know, um, so we were like, okay, we'll leave or move or we'll move to China. (laughs) So um, we were just kind of putting things in place where we were like, okay, like this this is. And so it was not a missionary thing. It was like with Walmart and he would be just, um, you know, so sometimes when you move over there, um, it's they take care of you. They put you up in a house, everything. But no, this was going to it's almost a missionary thing because we would just be getting paid. Walmart money. And then I was going to be like homeschooling my kids, which was terrifying. Um, like, you know, <laughs> in China. So we had that mindset. Um, and so come up like November that year. So I lost my directorship in February, come up November that year. Um, he did not get the job. And um, he told me that, and he didn't really show it. He, um, it was a very big um, kind of humbling time for him and realizing, okay, you know, this is not what God had for us and all that. So God knows everything, of course. That next 2017, um, in February, Chad's grandmother um, like got paralyzed um, and had to go into a nursing home. That was in Monroe. My dad, um, in the summer, well, and that um, he, let me get it straight. I don't know if he got sick then or his house. Yeah, no, he... I think the flood happened in 2016. His his house flooded, and he had to get out of the house, and um, so he didn't have a house. But his um, he had arthritis, and he had um, like lung stuff going on because he smoked all his life. So rewind, like he got recovery, all of that. He did not have a drop of alcohol, like 
I would say the rest of his life at the end of the life, he did drink some because he just didn't care. So, but I mean, he didn't, he was a completely different person. I tell you that he uh, like talked a lot when he drank. He didn't talk hardly when he did not drink. So we were like, who are you? You know, like we, he was a completely different person. So that was weird, but, um, but still just so loving all the things. So he had really good recovery. He was on his, you know, just doing his thing, bachelor life, but he got real sick also. And he lost his home and he would go back to the home. And I think, I believe that he got like all the mold and mildew in his lungs as well. Um, but 2017, he had to go in for like a biopsy of his lungs and um, they found so much more and it didn't drain correctly, all that. So he stayed in ICU over the summer. This was like June. He, um, in 2017, he stayed in ICU, had to go to long-term acute care, so many things. Meanwhile, he doesn't have a house. He's like trying to rent this trailer. Like he's probably out of, kind of out of a house. He's trying to get ready this trailer a lot going on in my family in 2017. So God knew I did not need to be in China um, that, you know, and, um, you know, just need to be there for him. So I was able to be there for him. Um, I had an OT job, but it was very flexible. So I was able to go to him several weeks and, um, you know, six hours away. Um, I was kind of the responsible kid in the family. So I'm, you know, he made me power of attorney. You know, I had to do all the things for him. Um, he got into the house and um, just pretty much gave up. He was in a lot of pain, um, all the things. So in November of 2017, he decided to go on um, in-home hospice care. And um, that was a decision we all had to make. And um, and then we didn't know what was, you know, the the future of that. And I, um, I was away and didn't really know. And a lot of emotions around that. And um, so just went to see him one more time in March over spring break. And, um, he died the end of that week. So, um, just, um, a lot of emotions, a lot of, um, so as soon as that happened, all the emotions flooded. It wasn't for me, it wasn't a stage of grief. It was like all at once. (laughs) I mean, and the main thing was unforgiveness of my mother and just anger. And so I believe um, you talk about like, how was I 2016, 2017, that is when the anger came to my family, just so critical of my husband and he didn't deserve any of it. Like he was just like, Oh, you know, like everyone's pins and needles. And, um, you know, just looking back, I'm thinking, you know, probably a lot of stress. I don't know all the things, but it was like, like you said, 15 years of me not dealing with my emotions, just avoiding them all came at once (laughs) when he died. And so I'm such a doer. And so, you know, the first response is like, oh, I just got to get everything done. But I, I think I gained a lot of spiritual maturity. You know, I told you I was searching for that all those years. I think God prepared me spiritually and maturity. And like I said, I was searching for that identity in Christ and he prepared my marriage to like, you know, okay, we're going to stay together and go through this. And just a lot of tools that I gained in that time helped me. And, you know, when this happened, you know, because before then it was everything, life was good, you know, Um, and I was trying to achieve and that was my thing. But I just realized I was like, there's, it doesn't matter. Like (laughs) God made me for who I am. And that is enough. 
And literally, I took a, cl- a class, like a Bible study at, at church uh, by Jenny Allen called Stuck. One of the, and it was kind of like a CR, you know, it's like, okay, this is how we get stuck in life. And I was searching for that. I was like, I just feel stuck. I don't know. I can't do what I want in life. And I feel like I can be these things, but I can't. And what is holding me back? I was so mad at that. And one of the things that was uh, like a week of study was um, contentment. And like contentment, like not being content can have me stuck. I literally had to look up the definition of being content. I did not know the definition of contentment. I was like, what is this? And didn't know that that could be a thing in your life. So yeah, I mean, that's been a big thing as far as like peace and content and being like, just be who God made you and like stop striving, you know, like why? And because meanwhile, I have a great home. I have a great husband. I have a great life. Why? What, What am I trying to do? So that was just, it was like a humbling, but confusing time. Um, so yeah, I um, knew that I was not okay. <laughs> um, like I said, I had the spiritual maturity to know that I needed counseling and cause I was just crying all the time. Like, and I was so mad at my mom when my dad died and that doesn't make sense. Like why? Um, and she didn't deserve any of it. And, you know, recently when my relationship with her was fine, but like, I lost that emotional support in my life, my dad, because she was never that for me. Mm -hmm. So I was mad at her for not being that. And I didn't want to talk to her. Like I was so mad at her for months after he died in March. And so it was funny. Mother's Day came around and I was like, I was still mad at her, but I was getting counseling at the time. um, And really that it really helped me learn, you know, how to forgive. Um, you know, there were some things that she told me, like, you know, that, that there's this thing like take on God's forgiveness. They always say, like, oh, God forgave you, so you should forgive them. No, like, I don't have that capacity. So what helped me was I have to take on his forgiveness for her. It it can't come from me. And so that started my journey that year. My church, I I just credit them so much because they have so many resources. I got counseling from my church. They have a um, grief share class. So I was in that um, every week and it was so good as far as just processing grief and what that is and, you know, kind of giving us permission and all that and actually grieving. A lot of people don't, I think, you know, and I would look at my siblings and I'm like, why aren't you doing this? And just realizing they grieve differently and, and all that. But um, so I, you just needed all the resources, right? So I um, did grief share, but I didn't share a lot. And that is really weird for me. Like, I'm always like, oh, I'm going to share everything. But I realized, and I also was in BSF and just trying to like, just gain from the Bible. I didn't share a lot because I knew I was just angry <laughs> and they did not want to hear my anger. Like I would just go off on somebody or something or some concept or, and just like tell them all the things. And I just have no filter. And just looking back at my life, like, that's just how I, God made me a certain way to be that way. But that's not, like, anger is not who I am. And literally, I would say, I'm just an angry person. Like, that's just who I am. But like, no, (laughs) like, that's not who I am. Like, I'm not my emotions. So sorting all of that out was that journey. Um, And so in that grief share class, the word that stuck out was surrender. 
it's like, like I said, why am I trying so hard? Like I have to just be done and I can't, I can't try anymore. I can't do it on my own strength. So it was so much, it was crazy. Like when you go there again in your mind, it's like, you're still there. That was the end of 2018. Um, you know, my dad died in March and that was, it was a lot of things that, that happened that just led me to just complete surrender. So the beginning of uh, 2019, they also have in my church, uh, Celebrate Recovery. Yeah. Will you explain what Celebrate Recovery is? In- yeah. So I was just searching for a new thing to do, right? Um, my grief share had stopped and, um, you know, I was like, what do I do now? And I was like, I just need this Celebrate Recovery so what it is, is um, pretty much a 12-step program, but in um, the spiritual realm with, um, what's his name, started it back in, out in California, um, Saddleback Church. The millions of people have found recovery um, from Celebrate Recovery. It's um, based in my, in, usually in churches, and it's like a, it's a 12-step program. Really, the steps are based on the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are them, you know, I mean, so it's like, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be humble and it's good. And it's just all the things. So I was just done, done. So I was actually in our um, regular church service and asked, telling a girl that, oh, I think I'm going to do Celebrate Recovery. Lo and behold, like the pastor of Celebrate Recovery was preaching that like on Sunday morning um, in the regular service and just talking about silver. I was like, oh my God, such a sign, you know? So I was just like all in, you know, kind of how I do everything in life. I was just like fully surrendered. My first um, time at Celebrate Recovery, like we pick up a blue chip um, when we're like, okay, I'm ready to, to give this over. And I was just like, where's my blue chip? Where do I sign up for a class? Where do I, I mean, like in a lot of people, it takes a while, but like, I'm just like completely in. So Meanwhile, we have five deaths in our family in 2018 and going into 2019. So when I'm like surrendered and going to CR, um, my stepdad, my mom's husband at the time um, was in the hospital and pretty much um, lost consciousness and, um, you know, had to get resuscitated, but he never came back all the way. And um, he died. In that January. So that was the fifth death in five years. It was my dad, my grandmother, my mom's mom, um, our dog of 15 years or something like that. Um, and then uh, Chad's grandmother in December um, and then my stepdad. So I was just like, what is happening? You know, like it was just, you know, it was like I said, my childhood that happened and it was like that over all over again. But I think the difference was I had resources in my life and I threw myself into these uh, positive resources of, you know, counseling, grief share, celebrate recovery, and knew that I needed help emotionally um, because it was just kind of chaos in my family and my world um, and just a lot of emotions. So I did, um, yeah, start that and um, start the step study in January. I had to miss my first step study for going to my stepdad's funeral and, um, but I mean, just threw myself into it. 2019, it was good, but there was several times that I can think of that thinking, I'm in recovery, I'm fine, I can just act this way and I can have these things in my life. And so realizing my triggers 
Yeah, because I would I probably had my lowest horrible moment in 2019 as I was in recovery, thinking I could have all of my family over for Easter because we were trying to like do different traditions because my dad died. I can't describe the 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 way the how I blew up emotionally in anger towards my family. It was unimaginable. So I believe a lot of the, I had a lot of low points as far as emotionally trying to sort it all out, like thinking I'm better, but I'm not, I still have these tendencies. I still have these, you know, emotions. And so it was a lot of up and down that year as far as um, that goes. What are your triggers? My family, I guess. Um, so yeah, um, they say, so in, in the anger share group, there's a list of things that, um, describe us. And so I was like, check, check, check. Uh, some of them are, um, when I see somebody that is not apologetic for their behavior, but if somebody is, I'm good to, to, um, like forgive them. But if somebody doesn't, or is not aware of their behavior and not apologetic to it, then I, I can't handle that. Like, no, you need to realize how you are and be, be apologetic for it, you know? So, you know, just a lot of expectations on people that are unreasonable. And now they would say that I'm like, they're not unreasonable, like to me, but like in life, they're unreasonable, (laughs) right? So just, I have a lot like high expectations on people because I put that on myself, I believe. And I believe I can do these things, but if they can't, then that's not okay. And just thinking like I did think like everybody should be like me. And if they're not, and they can't do that, then that's not okay. You know, so just silly things like that. I mean, when you think about it, it's silly, but in the moment, like it's not okay for me. Um, so for now, like even now I have to like, when like a group of family get together, I have to have an out like that time at my house. I didn't have an out cause I was at my house, but like, I have to be able to get away and calm down or like I say a lot of Lord help it and I breathe and I Jesus and <laughs> just pray a lot more <laughs> in, in the moment and you know instead of like saying something that like or just like pop off and be critical I have to step back and you know breathe and all that and um so the next year I became a holy yoga instructor and they say like oh yeah that you know but like literally I did it I mean not only reason but like it has really helped me, like you know, be grounded and peaceful and breathe and all that, and and know the importance of that. Did you get into holy yoga because of Celebrate Recovery? No, actually, I was um, so I'm an occupational therapist and uh, working with kids. And my original region reason, I probably did yoga for some spiritual reasons. I also did it because I was actually having a. Um, I had a physical trainer and I didn't do any stretching. So I like found yoga because I needed stretching, but then found some Jesus on my mat for real, like in a secular yoga class, um, just didn't know that I needed that spiritual component and didn't know that that was there. So I would say 2017 and then 2018 at all. Came. So yoga was there to help me, but then also I do occupational therapy and I had a kid who kind of needed some OT kind of movement or yoga kind of movements. We kind of use it indirectly in the yoga and the OT world. And so I thought I need to know what I'm doing to like show him what to do and, um, and didn't want to just like halfway do it. So I really did it because of that. And, um, and then also like, you know, the spiritual part of it, um, just my friend had done holy yoga actually went to my 
20 year high school reunion and um, my friend led a whole yoga class. So it was just, and I was doing Christian yoga on YouTube. So it was just a series of things and um, God was just leading me to it. And I felt like it was a continuation of my recovery after CR. And it truly was, I didn't know how much it was until I got into it because they got to go through the same thing as far as, you know, just surrender. I mean, that's what I do on my mat every single time. And just, I, I felt I've learned that I'm a body kind of person. And then I, 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 I have to, you know, through my job as well, but like, I just, I need that body expression. Um, so that is what it is for me as well. And yeah, so it, the message of holy yoga really resonated with me. I needed that as I was, um, one of the days, and I actually did it in 2020. So it was very good therapy for me. Um, it was already set up on zoom as far as the training. And so it just worked, but I, my dad got cremated, donated his body to science. So that year later, and it started, Holy Yoga started the, actually it was two years later. I didn't get, we didn't get the ashes till two years later. I was going to be on a Holy Yoga call uh, or class. And uh, at the same time we were redoing our landscaping and we bought a tree and planted a tree and put my dad's ashes underneath and, um, and then talked about, um, you know, beauty from ashes and, you know, God makes everything new and just, God was just so working on my soul during that time. And just so thankful for that. So out of that, I, I, I took actually a class in holy yoga talking about the seasons of life. And out of that, I just, I so believe in that just, um, God has us in, you know, they relate to the seasons of the year, you know, um, you know, springtime and then summer you're on fire, but like fall, he, 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 he cuts something down from you because we get too prideful and he cuts, he cuts something off. He takes something away and it's good. We don't want it. Right. But fall, we have to shed off all that is not okay with, you know, being a child of God. And then the winter, it's hard, but it's so good. You know, you have to contract in and you have to just, you know, lean on him. And, you know, you think of a, a, a plant or a soil, you know, like they just soak up all the nutrients, but they're dormant. You know, you don't see them much, but you, you need that time to soak it all up to, you know, be a good plant in the spring. And so I had about a three, three-year winter time. And that can be different for everybody, right? The the timing of it. And you can go through all the seasons in, you know, three months if you need to. But, you know, um, so I believe um, in 2021 started my spring time. Um, but they say spring is like, mm, you know, sometimes it's cold, sometimes it's warm, sometimes it's, you don't know, you're uncertain, you know, you, you're going to fall, you're going to weird. It's, it's, it's a weird time. So I just, I've, felt that. Um, and I went through, um, I've been through four jobs in three years, um, since 2020. And so also did another step study and, um, learned about a lot of my anger towards leadership and just, yeah, just had to lay all that down. They say CR is like an onion and he peels back one layer at a time when we're ready for it. And the anger was the biggest thing, right? But then became the pride and the insubordination. And, you know, why am I not okay with leaders? Well, my dad was supposed to be a leader in my home, but he wasn't, you know? So, like, I always had that in the back of my, you know, who I, you know, 
it didn't come out till later and all the anger didn't come out till later. So I, I, and meanwhile, I'm trying to like prevent all of this in my kids. Right. So, um, and they always said, you know, um, you're so good to do this now when they're little so that like, yeah, I don't like mess up my kids forever, you know, all the things. Right. And like, I remember my teen years more than my little kid years. Right. Like, so, you know, I think we have more memories and, um, you know, we, mm-hmm. we have more emotions in our teen years. So, you know, my girls are coming up on teen years and like, I didn't want to mess them up like I was, or, you know, that I didn't want to be. So, you know, trying to be better mom and, and, and wife and all the things and who they see. And then, you know, just, we had some other struggles with my daughter over the past couple of years and actually just a year actually. And so she gets into, you know, middle school life and all that. Right. Um, and, but yeah, so it's just middle school is so tough. <laughs> and so it's just such a, it's just the word surrender. Like you have to surrender it. Like I can't do it on my own. I have to have him to, you know, walk with every day. <laughs> it's like one day at a time, really. So I've had that mindset going into it. And so you talk about, um, you know, always needing something more and everything. So right now I am in a position of big, big humility um, or big contentment, I would say. I'm in, in my job, I just got into, um, I work only eight hours a week, kind of by default because I'm oh, trying nice. to build my, <laughs> well, it's not nice because I don't, in my soul, like I want more, right? And that's who like right, yeah. my flawed self is. I want more always. And, but like, I feel like that person is way less now, you know, like I, Chad, it's funny. I, I really love this question. He said, and I would have answered this in a very different way five years ago. He said, where do you find value? And that's been a big thing the past three years. My big word has been valued. Like my leaders need to value me at work. My husband needs to value me what I say, all the things, right? Um, I need my kids need to be grateful for me and value me. And like, but I learned like, I need to find my value in God, not all the things. And so that's been another level. But um, he said, where do you find value now? And I said, everything. I found value in doing laundry for my family. I found value in paying the bills for my family. I found value in picking up my girls from school because I can. I found value in helping these kids in my eight hours of OT work in their homes and helping these parents. I found value in, you know, maybe leading a a step study anger group, like just wherever God wants me. I found value in when I do my holy yoga classes now, I didn't plan on being a holy yoga instructor. I just needed it for my work, but it became way more. And that's what I'm saying. God did that. Like I didn't, that was not my plan. So I, I believe now it is so much more valuable when God gives you something and it was never your plan. And you're like, well, it's just happening. So I'm going to go with it. And what can God do with it? And He's just going to bless it way more than we ever asked for or imagine. So my, my big verse for it from my recovery is Ephesians 3.20, where he can do more than we ever asked for or imagined. And I take that because I thought I imagined my life and I had all these plans for my life and I was going to do all the things. Why am I trying to do anything? Like, 
If he does it, it's going to be better than we ever asked for or imagined. So why am I trying to do anything? So just be led by him and things are going to happen and he's going to bless it. And it's going to be better than we ever thought. And so in my OT life, I became really good. And this is not what I imagined. I thought I was going to work with spinal cord injury and adults and all that. I'm pretty much doing the opposite, working with kids. And I got really good. And this is from him, like working with kids with behavioral problems and, and hard, you know, just hard behaviors and, and sensory issues and things like that. That was never my plan. <laughs> and I got good at that. And now I'm, you know, just leaning into that and learning more. And, and as I do that, I see the need more in the community. And I say, well, I can do this, you know? So I just, it's just a different mindset. And I learned from a leadership class in Holy Yoga that to have humble confidence, I never knew what that was. I'm like, either you're humble or you're confident, you know, confident humility or humble confidence. And, you know, just be confident in yourself, but like humble about it, you know? And so I've had to learn that a lot too, because I struggle with anger, pride, codependency, um, and still do. And I equate it to, you know, anybody who's addicted to anything like they, you know, have to deal with that every day. And I have to deal with what I struggle with every day. But I lay it down daily to I mean, try to do what he wants. I don't know. So it's like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I just try and, and a lot more humble. Are you still involved in Celebrate Recovery? Yeah. So I go um, just on Fridays. I don't I'm not in a step study right now. Like some people do like 20 step studies in their life or like they lead them and everything. And I was like a co-leader in my second one. But um, yeah, so I go on Friday nights and they have a worship service. And I mean, my worship has changed. I'm just like sold out. I don't care. (laughs) And then so they also they either like teach us like a principle or they have a testimony. And I've shared my testimony three times at CR. Like that's kind of part of your my recovery is just like kind of. um, yeah, just writing it out and sharing it. Yeah, I can tell you've shared it a lot. Um, but yeah, and then we have like step study, like uh, or like um, small groups where we, you know, that focuses on like I, I lead an anger group, and I lead it about once a month. But I then I attend them too through the month um, when I can go on a Friday night, and just so good because like the people there just. It's like what church should be, really. It's like, okay, we all got stuff and we introduce ourselves with, okay, this is what I struggle with, but it's not who we are, you know? It's, um, you know, it's just, we all got stuff, and but we accept you for who you are and we're all childs of God and but we all struggle, but just accept you for who you are. And that is just what Jesus did, right? So I love that environment and um, just recommend it to anybody. It's amazing. Um, it's helped me and I share it with anybody who wants it. Not everybody wants it, I've found. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and you know, people do other things, you know, or need other things for their recovery, which is great. And uh, we've also gone through re-engage, me and my husband. That's like CR for your marriage. Um, so good. Um, just, I just really appreciate all the resources. <laughs> Because I can't on my own. Have your husband and kids seen a change in you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know. Just a lot less critical, a lot less, you know, just high strung, I guess. I mean, I still, I have my moments. I still do. Um, me and my daughter, 13-year-old daughter, struggle with me yelling at her because that's what I grew up with, you know. So I just, what I know. And so... She struggles with that. I struggle with it. And so I'm just like, well, don't be crazy. And I won't be crazy. So there you go. No, I'm just- 
<laughs> um, <laughs> when she's okay, I'm okay. No, I'm um, so yeah, talk about trigger. Um, so yeah, so but they have when mom is happy, everybody's happy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so overall, yeah, it's a lot better. Um, you know, as far as I just know, like, it's, for example, like they are in like a campsite right now and like doing all the things to set it up and put it down, all that. I know that's a trick. I like, I can't, like, that's too much for me. And I get stressed out. So like I slept at home. Like I'm good. Like you do your thing. I do mine. I'm good. Like, so just, yeah, little things like that. But yeah. And like, just, I had to put in place like expectations or, you know, just like a list of things like cleaning is a trigger. Like if I get to cleaning and they're not cleaning, then like, it's not okay. So like, I had to like make a list. This is what you clean. And I had to let go of it. Like, this is what you do. I'm not worried about you, you know? So yeah, the learning processes that had <laughs> to happen that, I mean, so like I said, it's not like a, a switch, you know, like, I mean, yeah, overall emotionally, but like, I still struggle with it. So yeah, I had to like put in positive habits and processes that will help. <laughs> So, have you made amends with your mom? Have you yeah, forgiven so I was your mom? Yeah, I was thinking about that. Um, yeah, so I did that year at, in 2019. Made amends with her and really forgave her um, in my soul. Like, I mean, she didn't need forgiving, but I had like I had to. Um, so yeah, I mean, she's here right now, and she's we. I just cherish our relationship. I realized the person she is, who she is. Um, learning the Enneagram really helped me. So like learning, you know, just without other people, like I said, like not everybody's like me, but like it helped me learn who I am and be okay with that. That was another thing in my jobs. I got told that what I did was not okay and who I was was not okay. Like I was the person that always spoke up for everyone and I'm the bold one and everything. And, and people like me for that, but I was also chastised for that. So I had to sort out what is okay and what's not okay. So that's been a journey after initial recovery. Like, who am I? And who did God make me? And, and what is okay, you know? Um, so I've had to learn that, like, it's good to be that person that stands up for people and is you know, protective or, or says something when nobody else will, you know, in a good and nice way, not in a, you know, crazy and, and confrontational way. But, but I was told that that's not okay. And that, and, and so I would become that codependent person like, oh, how do I need to change? I need to be better, all this stuff. No, like that's how God made me. So like, if you can't, oh, aren't okay with that, I have to not, we have to do something different. So anyway, so I had, I learned who I was, but I also learned who a lot of people, other people are in my life. And my mom was one of them and just realized that she's such a giving person and just so, oh, just wants everybody to be loved and, and um, helped and everything and to her fault sometimes, but um, just, um, just realizing the good qualities of her and, um, but just realizing also her background and how she grew up and, she didn't have the skills that I thought I needed as a, a teenager. So how can I expect her to give those to me when she didn't have them? Because she didn't grow up with them. So just having a lot of grace on people. I believe after, you know, you're, when you need empathy and, and grace, then you learn to give it more. That was a big lesson for me because I didn't feel like I had any empathy before that. I was like, yeah, you know, I don't care about other people's lives. And, you just need to suck it up or whatever, you know, so definitely gain that out of this. Well, it has been so inspiring hearing your story because I had no idea most of this, like I said, 
had no idea the work you've done. That's so inspiring that instead of just being just sitting in that grief and sitting in those struggles and just being like, well, this is just how it's going to be that you were like, no, I'm going to make it better. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to put in the work because I just, you know, my family deserves better. I deserve better. So that's really inspiring. Before we wrap up, do you have any advice for anyone who, you know, maybe they're at the beginning of this, the journey, you know, maybe they're, they're listening and they have, you know, they're very critical. They have anger issues. They have unresolved feelings with their parents, with their upbringing, with somebody in their life. You know, what advice do you have for them? Your life can be better. And that's what I feel like my life, like God gave me that mantra, like of, you know, be your best self, not only like, and for me, it was like, oh, you can look pretty, you know, and have a great skincare and makeup and hair and clothes and all that. But no, like, be your best self internally. You were not made to carry anything beyond the cross. The line from a Mercy Me song. It's it's not yours to carry. The unforgiveness and the thing the things that happened earlier in your life. And whether that comes out in anger, anxiety, all the things, right? It's it's not worth it. And you can have a better life and you can go into your purpose for life and and be who God made you to be. But you have to get rid of all the crap before that. I was in that significant woman class and it was talking about who you are and who you are in Christ and all that. And it didn't address all the things that you have to get rid of first. So I'm doing a study right now and it's called um, Live, in, Live in Vibrant Health. But she talks about like taking off all the things that you know, doesn't work and then cultivating you know, what, who you are in Christ and then continuing on in life. So Um, I think that's what it's all about. Just find who you are, but get rid of all the crap because it's not worth it. And you were made for better and more. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so glad we got to do this. Thank you so much for asking. It was a great experience. Thanks for joining us today on This Is My Story. If you'd like to be a guest on our show or know someone that has an inspiring story they'd like to share, please visit us online at thisismystorypodcast.com and fill out the contact us form. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more inspiring stories, make sure to hit the subscribe button. And don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. This has been Shara's story. What's yours?